Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening to you. Welcome to VOC 91.3. Audio streaming, of course, on www.vocfm.co.za. Those listening to us across the lands and over the seas, shukran so much for joining us. And staying with us just after this uh, Maghrib Salah, we will now start off with a program, Questions and Answer Forum. I'm Khawa Solomon, and we welcome back once again uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Sister Hawa, and to all our listeners of the Voice of the Cape. We have Baraka Maka and Medina with us today, <laughs> alhamdulillah. So, mabruk uh, to Sheikh and Sheikh's family who are making it home safe. And uh, we say, umra maqbul. Jazakumullah khairan for all the duas, uh, Sister Hawa. And yes, uh, indeed, it is very, very good to be back. And after a beautiful trip uh, to Makkah and Medina, and we can we can only pray that Allah Ta'ala accept from us and grant us and all other people that left and that are still going to leave. Allah grant them umra maqbul and mabruk. So yes, we continue with uh, the program question and answer forum and we say Jazakallah to Sheikh once again for making his time available to be here to answer your questions eloquently and also, you know, and as much uh, effort and explanation as Sheikh uh, is able to as well. So shukran to our listeners for being patient and allowing us to uh, answer your question, you know, as it's been sent. We do apologize that it's been answered a bit later, but it will be dealt with inshallah. So please continue sending them via SMS on 47913. Assalamu alaikum. Can you make intention to go to Makkah for Hajj or Umrah when you have a child that has be has an we have a child that has an illegitimate child. Okay. So it's your child, so it's your grandchild that's illegitimate and the boy comes to visit. Um the boy being I think the father of the child, I don't want them to get married. Okay. Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillahi wa ala ali wa sahbihi ajma'in. I I don't uh, see actually the connection between the two issues in in a real way. Um, It seems that uh, perhaps this mother is uh, worried that, you know, should she leave the house, uh, what will she do with her child that is at home that has a child, an illegitimate child? And the intention for Hajj and Umrah, uh, of course, uh, to go on Hajj and Umrah is an obligation. It is one of the arkan of Islam. It has to be fulfilled when one is able to do so. Uh, of course, the situation that the person has at home with regards to this child, it would obviously be recommended for them to sort it out and see that they live in a way that they are comfortable. Right? I don't think the two are related in terms of her making a niyyah for Hajj and Umrah or not. Of course, the niyyah must be there to go for Hajj and Umrah mm-hmm. if they are able to go. And if there are issues at home, then they should try to settle those issues uh, as quickly and as adequately as possible. So, for example, I would not imagine this uh, person is going to leave unless they've made arrangements with this child wanting to get married, etc. Because you're not going to leave them all alone or by their own vices when you are gone. Mm-hmm. So you obviously try your best to put uh, certain mechanisms in place and to see that uh, things run smoothly when you are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think there is an issue if, I mean, if they want to get married and the boy is coming to visit uh, your daughter, you should obviously then be thinking of a solution to this problem. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to go away uh, just by itself. You obviously have to think of uh, uh, ways and means to overcome this problem. Uh, and again, I want to say, I don't think it has anything to do with you wanting to go on Hajj and Umrah. Mm. That should still be part of your niyyah. You should not change that niyyah. 
However, you should try whatever is in your ability to make sure that you uh, settle whatever you are able to settle before you leave, if you intend to leave soon. Uh, like normally any person that leaves his home, he obviously has to look after and take care of whatever he leaves behind, family-wise, etc. Mm-hmm. So that would be a, a duty and responsibility of you, which you need to look at and, and seriously look uh, for a solution before you actually embark on this journey of Hajj and Umrah. I'd like to know if plucking of one's eyebrows is haram. Yeah, there is clear indication in some of the uh, statements of the Prophet Muhammad with regards to this. And we find that this, the scholars of the various madhahib have all sort of latched onto the interpretation of this hadith, where the Prophet had used quite uh, strong words for people that do certain things to their bodies. Okay, uh, in fact, uh, the Prophet says, "La'an Allah, may the curse of Allah be on the following people." Amongst them are people that apply tattoos to their body, people that pluck their hair, facial hair, uh, the eyebrows. That is, um, people that uh, I suppose in their time there was a fashion where people would uh, uh, make a gap between their teeth. You know, a gap mm. that is not normal or natural. They would uh, increase the gap between the teeth. And the Prophet ﷺ had actually referred to all of this and uh, he said that these people are cursed because المغيرات خلق الله Because it seems that they want to change the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And the Prophet ﷺ was not happy with this That one should be uh, displeased with the way that Allah has created you mm-hmm. So hence it is haram, it would be impermissible for somebody to uh, you know, pluck the eyebrows and to uh, beautify it like people are doing nowadays uh, especially if there is no problem with it, mm-hmm. right? If it is not abnormal or it is, if it is not growing in an unusual way. Of course, the scholars do say if it is, for example, growing in a way that uh, is not natural, or that is not normal, then yes, one can obviously do something to make it appear more normal, as long as it is not for the purpose of just purely beautifying oneself, but to normalize the situation, that, sh- that would be okay. Uh, Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his commentary on this hadith, in his commentary on Sahih Muslim, has also indicated that this would not include, for example, women that have, uh, you know, mustache or beard hairs and stuff like that. It's not referring to that, because that is unnatural for a woman to have in any case. So should she remove those kinds? of his there's nothing wrong with that the hadith is particularly speaking about the eyebrows you know which which uh, Allah Ta'ala has created in various different ways and uh, a, a woman should not go uh, you know out of a way to change that because that would show some kind of displeasure with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look at how the world has evolved today, how much money is being spent in Western countries, for example, uh, on plastic surgery, you'll find how it is just a craze amongst women that they want to change, and men alike, not only men, uh, women, men alike, where they want to change almost every feature of their body. They want to change the shape of the nose. They want to change the, the, the shape of the face. They want to change the ears. There's so many things that people go for implants and all these things. And this clearly shows the... You know how uh, the human being has evolved to such an extent that they feel that they are in control of themselves and that they feel they can chop and change the creation of Allah Ta'ala the way Allah has created them. Again, I want to reiterate and say that if there are abnormalities within a person's creation or there is something that uh, medically has been proven to be a problem, you find sometimes that uh, certain people, they've got a, 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 a bone that is growing in the nose, for example, that is painful or that is not allowing them to breathe properly. 
right? If, it, if medical surgery or plastic surgery is applied for those purposes, mm. then clearly Islam will not stand in your way for that. But what these ahadith are alluding to is people that simply just want to change the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without due purpose, but just for the fact of wanting to beautify themselves. And this has clearly been prohibited uh, by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is something that should be uh, strictly abided by uh, by our women and our men alike. Well, shukran so much for that detailed answer. Yeah. Then the other one is just not a question. It's completely transliteration of Arabic. So maybe Sheikh could just elaborate on that and it's hasbi allahi tawakkaltu la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah so i think that I'm, I'm not sure what it's referring to yeah perhaps i don't know if the person wanted uh, perhaps the uh, meaning of it or whatever hasbi allahu alladhi la ilaha illa huwa alayhi tawakkalt wa huwa rabbul arshil azim is actually the the version that is more common okay. and it is a prophetic dhikr uh, that uh, could be made in the mornings and in the evenings the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had in fact uh, indicated that it is sunnah to do this dhikr uh, seven times in the morning and seven times in the evening mm. and basically the meaning of the dhikr is is that you know when you say hasbi allah you say allah is sufficient for me allah is enough for me la ilaha illahu there is no ilah there is no god save him alayhi tawakkalt he is of course the one that i put my trust in wa huwa rabbul arshil azim and he is the possessor and the owner of the great throne so this is a dhikr that uh, the prophet had recommended and it is obviously uh, putting your affairs over to to allah ta'ala and putting your trust and dependence on him and something which is uh, very much needed in the time that we are living where people are going through various difficulties and we know that uh, allah ta'ala is there and he is aware of our situation a shorter version of the dhikr if a person cannot remember this long one is simply to say hasbi allah wa ni'mal wakil that is also mm-hmm. Quranic and it is, it is also prophetic. Hasbi Allah wa ni'mal wakil. It is one of the most powerful athkar to be made as much as one can. And in fact, uh, if I could just add, this was the dhikr that was actually made by Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam just before he was cast into the fire by Nimrud. You know, when he was about to be thrown into the fire, the angel came and the angel said to him, Ibrahim, is there anything that I can do for you that I can assist you with? And Ibrahim says, as for you, you can't do anything for me because I know I am in the mercy of Allah. This Only Allah can help me at this stage. And the very last words that he uttered was Hasbi Allah wa Ni'mal Wakil before he was actually thrown into the fire. And on account of this dhikr and the power of this dhikr, Allah Ta'ala instructed the fire that it should become a place of coolness and safety for Nabi Ibrahim at that point in time. Yes, Allah explains in the Quran, Kuni Bardan wa Salaman ala Ibrahim. Allah explains this that Allah instructed the fire to be a place of safety and a place of coolness for Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam. So Hasbi Allah wa Ni'mal Wakil is also a substitute for this dhikr which can be made at whatever time a person wants recommended very powerful very useful to uh, face uh, your day-to-day challenges and obstacles in your life shukran so much to sheikh we have uh, sheikh ibrahim was a resident imam at this yusufia masjid answering your questions on 47913 stay with us we'll be back right after this assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome back we are in question and answer forum with none other than sheikh ibrahim was alhamdulillah sheikh is a resident imam at uh, Moscow in Weinberg and we say Jazakallah khair um, to Sheikh for making time available uh, to come out and answer your questions. So SMS line is open on 47913. Next SMS and also to you for being patient for allowing us to answer it in, in the time that we you know have received it. Salam Alana, I am seven years married. My husband is a diva to Islam. I'm struggling in this marriage. I always remind him he should go learn the deen but never does. 
I'm trying real hard to set an example and I'm always making dua that Allah must give him hidayah. He also doesn't make salah, don't know how to, um, don't know what to do. Mm. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Uh, we make dua inshallah that Allah keeps you steadfast and strong in your in your plight that you are facing at this moment in time. Uh, it, it can be quite a challenge if you have a spouse that does not want to respond and that does not show any interest. Um, I think maybe one of the things that one should try uh, in this regard is instead of actually telling them to go to class, instead of uh, giving them instructions, it would be a good idea to actually go with them and actually enroll with them with uh, in the same class. Mm. Many times I think they are shy maybe or they don't want to go on their own. Maybe they feel intimidated. Maybe they feel uh, they've, they've got so much to learn and it's overwhelming for them. Uh, one never knows what exactly is the, uh, is the issue at hand. So I would uh, recommend that instead of telling them to go to class, why don't you enroll both of you? Or if that is difficult, why don't you make arrangements for somebody to come to the house mm. and actually speak to both of you, uh, you know, uh, from time to time and enlighten you about certain aspects of your deen and make it a family thing, make it a thing where everybody's involved, where every particip- everybody participates. In this case, uh, perhaps you won't feel left out or you won't feel overwhelmed with the type of knowledge and information. And of course, uh, with regards to, you know, the salah, I'm sure you are doing it, but keep on making salah, you know, in front of him, encouraging him in a beautiful way. Uh, after all, I think when you married him, uh, you, you must have known that there was going to be this challenge. Mm. I mean, it, it was never going to be easy. Uh, and I'm sure you took this into consideration, but uh, we never know how things will turn out in the future. So this is your test at the moment. Allah Ta'ala is testing you. Are you setting an example? Are you uh, playing that role of encouragement? Are you uh, remaining steadfast in your deen and not, uh, you know, also... Um, uh, lagging behind with regards to this and uh, I think that uh, another good suggestion that perhaps I can think of is that if one can sort of put him into contact with other reverts people that have also reverted to Islam and that have progressed well mm. and that have really you know uh, gone into Islam wholeheartedly and stuff like that it's always encouragement when they hear from each other you know things that uh, they have experienced and here I can particularly um, uh, recommend, you know, the Discover Islam Center, which uh, uh, runs its operation out in, in Lansdowne, near to the Islamia Masjid. Uh, they're doing sterling work in this regard, in the regard of uh, teaching and educating reverts to Islam. Uh, and, and I think uh, you should really uh, get their details and find out if there is any way that they have uh, support groups, you know, revert support groups, because I do believe at one stage they were running these revert programs where they would all come together you know and, and relate the experiences to each other and this could also be a, a, a good help for your husband uh, but what I can say to you is uh, keep on with the encouragement keep on with uh, good words and good examples I mean that is the only way that we can really uh, have a breakthrough and like I said uh, when you got married to this person obviously you knew the challenge was in front of you you knew this was going to be your your lot that you are going to have to deal with and so we, we make dua that Allah makes it easy for you. I know it, it must be frustrating after so many years and your spouse is not really uh, showing interest. Um, but inshallah, it's never too late. A person is never too bad or too far away to come back. So we, we hope and we pray inshallah that he will see the light sooner than later and that Allah Ta'ala will give him hidayah as you are making dua for him and that Allah keeps us all steadfast on the deen of Islam. Amen, inshallah. The next question, why are there men who pray and fast and give charity 
to get greater control of jinn to harm others. I'm uh, unfortunately I'm not uh, very much, you know, uh, um, uh, acquainted with this kind of thing. Mm. People that deal with jinn and stuff like that, and I prefer not to sort of get involved with this kind of thing because mm. it can become very dangerous. It can become very daunting. Uh, I do believe, yes, there, there there may be people out there that are abusing mm. certain things that Allah has given them or abilities that Allah has given them, and. And uh, the jinn, I mean, we know that it is something that is real. I mean, it's not something that is a fantasy. Uh, it is something that we believe in, a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah speaks about them in the Quran. Uh, for example, where Allah says, وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create the jinn and the ins except that they must worship me. And so just like us, you have the good ones, you have the bad ones, you have the jinn that, uh, you know, do good deeds, and you have those who do evil work and that work for for uh, magicians and black magic and all these things it is to be found it is something that is uh, that is uh, prevalent and that is uh, um, present in our midst uh, but what we also know is that uh, the prophet sallallahu had taught us you know if you want to protect yourself you simply have to do the necessary you know you have to recite the ayat and the surahs which allah has revealed for protection purposes and amongst these ayat, if I can just quickly give some suggestions, if a person feels intimidated or he feels these abnormal activities in his home, etc., uh, then of course recite Surah Al-Baqarah. That's the first point. You know, recite Surah Al-Baqarah in the house. Recite the Adhan as much as you can in the house because the shaitan runs away. He basically escapes, you know, when he hears the words of Allah Ta'ala glorifying him. Uh, also the Quls, you know, don't forget to recite your three Quls. Before you go to bed, don't, don't forget to recite Ayatul Kursi. Don't forget to recite the last portion of Suratul Baqarah also. If you cannot recite the whole of Baqarah, at least recite uh, Ayatul Kursi, which is part of Baqarah, and also the last portion of Suratul Baqarah, starting from Aman al Rasulu bima unzila ilayhi min rabbi wal mu'minun until the end of the surah. These are all antidotes which mm-hmm. the Prophet had taught us. And besides that, to recite Quran, to make dhikr regularly, uh, that is the best way in which we can obviously protect ourselves from these elements that is out there and as long as we have the protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then these things can't really harm us they can't really do anything to us because we created a a barrier between ourselves and between them by invoking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, that is the best advice that I can give as far as this is concerned and if you know people that are involved with this kind of thing the other advice is stay away from them stay as far away from them as possible don't get involved because it it may have an effect on a person's life on his family on his thinking Uh, I also do believe that sometimes people they feel ill they feel sick and they very quickly jump to conclusions to say that it is perhaps a jinn or somebody has done something to them I don't think we should also go too quickly and run to these conclusions because hmm. sometimes it may just be a medical problem you may just be medically sick there may hmm. be something that can be a sort of uh, that you can be helped with hmm. from a medical point of view so one shouldn't also just run to conclusions and think that everything that goes wrong in our life it must be a jinn or it must be some magic or it must be we should be careful and not uh, be paranoid about it as well because as I said, these are the creation of Allah. They are just like you, mm. you know. And in fact, they have fears just the way that you have fears of them. They have fears of you as well. You know, that is a fact. Because they, they also know there's another creation called the human being, which mm. also have certain features which they don't have. Okay. And for certain, they, 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 they are not very keen to be amongst people that are always engaged in the remembrance of Allah. 
that always remembers Allah's, Allah's name, that recite Quran, they are not very keen to be in those people's company at all. So that is the way in which we, we should protect ourselves from, from these elements. Shukran so much, Sheikh. Stay with us as we continue with question and answer forum after the short break. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening. Welcome back. We apologize for getting to your answers a little bit late and Maghrib is uh, on the time that we mean to have the show as well. So our show is cut a bit short. Only We only have just a half an hour, just under half an hour to actually deal with all your questions. But inshallah, as time gets, we will get better and please continue sending those SMSs. We do get it and we will do it. Uh, Sheikh will answer it as we receive it. Salam Imam, is it not better for a river to change their name to a good Muslim name with a good meaning? Um, your children feel shy to tell people their mother or father's name. This is, you know, a Christian name, but then they are actually Muslim. Mm. Yeah, it is uh, obviously recommended. The Prophet ﷺ had recommended that we, have, we give ourselves good names, we give, our, we give our children good names. And it would be recommended for somebody that reverts to Islam to, to actually choose a good name for himself or for herself to reflect uh, their new identity as Muslims. Because as you're entering into a new life, into a new belief system, into a new culture, into a new, um, you know, uh, into a new identity, you should obviously then also choose a name that goes with that. I mean, that uh, sort of gets rid of your past and that has a, a new future for yourself. Um, I know in, in some cases in the Western world, sometimes people, it becomes awkward for them to revert, uh, to, to rather to change their names due to logistical reasons and due to sort of uh, administration and stuff like that. And of course, there's nothing wrong with the Islam as such. You know, they are still regarded as Muslims, even though they didn't change their names. In our case, however, I don't think that is the case. I mean, we are able to change our names quite uh, easily and our community is quite acceptive you know, of people changing their names when they revert uh, to Islam, etc. So they, it would be a, a recommendation for somebody that becomes Muslim uh, to choose a name that he and she can be proud of, you know, as a, as a new uh, person with a new identity. And especially like this person is saying, so that you don't have to feel awkward. You know, when you meet other people to say that I'm still on my Christian name or etc. Mm-hmm. That's why even the Prophet ﷺ changed people's names that were unsuitable. Mm-hmm. There were many times that the Prophet actually changed their names. Because the Nabi Aisham wanted us to have good names that we can feel proud of, that we can live up to. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, for example, the best names that you can give to your child is Abdullah and Abdul Rahman. There's no better name than that. Why? Because it reflects the fact that you are giving a name that shows servitude to Allah, that shows submission to the Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, a person uh, uh, reverting to Islam, yes, it would be definitely a good thing for them to change their name. Uh, However, if a person feels they need some time to choose a good name, we should not pressurize them uh, overly or we should not be uh, too much on their case. We should encourage them you know, in a beautiful manner to choose a name. And uh, very often I find that the reverts are very fascinated if you tell them that uh, even the names of the prophets, I mean, which they used to know, mm. you know, in their old faith, can, can be given to them uh, as Muslims as well. Mm. Of course, the Muslim version of those names. Mm. And you very often find that they are very fascinated with this yeah. idea. You know, and so maybe, you know, approach the subject with him by using those kinds of names and telling them, look, uh, Nabi, uh, let's say John the Baptist, for example, that Mm. you knew as a Christian, you know, we call him Yahya, alayhi salam. 
you know, and so on and so forth. And perhaps that will be some kind of encouragement for them to choose a beautiful name that that will uh, suit the new identity as Muslims. Assalamu alaikum. I'd like to stay anonymous. What does Islam say about pornography? Been married for 20 years. I found out my husband indulges in this on his on his computer. Please advise what the rights are of the lady. I have sat down to talk to him, but he just doesn't want to speak. Shukran. Yeah, this is obviously something which is uh, um, an illness in society, Mm -hmm. the scourge of pornography. It is like all the other addictions that is out there. It is one can equate it even to, to, you know, drug addiction, where where many of these men, you know, they get addicted to pornography on the Internet, on movies, whatever the case may be. And there is no uh, um, there is no debate about it, that it is something which is not allowed. I mean, in Islam, it's haram for a person to deal in whatever form of pornography there is out there. And especially nowadays with the new phones and with the Internet on the phones, it becomes so easy and accessible for people to access these things. Uh, and obviously, you and your husband, you need to be counseled, you need to be spoken to. Uh, somebody uh, knowledgeable and somebody that you trust needs to obviously tell your husband what he is doing is uh, very detrimental to his, not only to his physical well-being, but it's actually detrimental to his spiritual state, Mm -hmm. to his iman that he carries. Uh, because you can imagine looking at haram all the time, looking at things that is not allowed in Islam. It has an effect. It has an effect on the soul. It has an effect on a person's behavior. It has an effect on the brain. It has the effect on, uh, there's a lot of research that has been done on this, on how people's behavior, that's why they say a child, for example, the more he is exposed to violence on TV, for example, and on cartoons and on movies, you will find that most likely that child grows up a very violent person, Hmm. or he feels that it's normal to slap somebody or to kick somebody or to just be in a fight with somebody because he's been sort of uh, just made used to the fact that this is what the world is about. So likewise, this person that is going to look at haram all the time, there's actually been some studies that have come across that have been made that shows the correlation between people that rape, you know, rapists Mm. and their involvement with pornography. You know, there is that relation because obviously the more you look at it, the more it will affect you. You know, it it will affect your personality. And uh, that's why it is amazing when you look at the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he once spoke about zina. But he spoke about zina in a very sort of broad way, you know, broad uh, parameters where he said that even the eye commits zina, even Mm -hmm. the hand commits zina, you know, even the feet can commit zina. It means that everything that leads to zina is potentially also called zina, mm-hmm. you know, because it leads to the act. And that's why also in the Quran you find that Allah Ta'ala, He doesn't say don't commit zina, but He says don't go close to zina. zina. And it's a very, very good, uh, obviously, choice of words, because Allah Ta'ala wants you to stay away from absolutely everything mm-hmm. that may lead to promiscuity, that may lead to this behavior of, uh, you know, vulgarity and stuff like that. So obviously this woman, she, she, she is in this predicament and her husband needs to be spoken to. Mm. He needs to be categor- categorically stated to him that it is haram what he is doing and it is detrimental to his mind, to his soul, to his iman, to his marriage. It's something that he should make toba for. He should repent and he should try to obviously get away. And I think they also need some sort of professional counseling as far as this is concerned. As I said, it's an addiction just like you have all other forms of addiction that is mm. out there. Pornography is actually also classified as an addiction which unfortunately is quite widespread Mm. you know it is much more widespread than so much available because it's so much available wherever you look you see on the movies on the tv Mm. you know it is such a they have desensitized us so much 
about this issue mm. that it's almost like a normal thing you know mm. even for a child to be exposed to these kinds of things and that is why it is it is uh, quite a dangerous situation and uh, we hope inshallah that this uh, wife will have patience and will have the necessary uh, um, uh, steadfastness mm. to carry this okay. thing forward in order to bring a a, a change within a home and in, within the mind and the heart of a husband mm. and we, we hope that they will be able to consult with somebody that will be able to assist him in this regard inshallah, inshallah. all the best to uh, that wife and the families and all those Ameen, suffering inshallah. from those addictions, inshallah. Shukran so much once again, uh, Sheikh. Uh, our time is uh, cut short by um, unfortunate circumstances. Well, not unfortunate, but Maghrib uh, does cut into our time here. So, uh, inshallah, we will continue with your SMSs. Those who have sent it will, will not unfortunately be dealt with this week, but in the following weeks to come on 47913. So, please continue sending them. Jazakallah to you, Sheikh, and all the best and salama traveled. Jazakumullah khairan to you as well, Sister Hawa, and to all our listeners, and may Allah grant all of us khair and barakah for the week ahead, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.